Hi everyone and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast, sponsored in partnership with Najahi Events. As you know, Tony Robbins has been on the show and Najahi Events are the organization that bring Tony Robbins and other awesome speakers. And guess what, we've got some real stars coming with us later on this year. But today, what more do you want on the show than an Olympian and a gold medal winner, and not only a gold medal winner, somebody that has been able to beat the greatest Olympian of all time. Cue the music, let's enjoy this one. So welcome to the show, Chad. Nice to see you on here. Thank thanks you. for bringing your dad on the show too. It's fantastic to have dad here as well. Hi, Bert. How are you? Very good, thanks. Very good. Are you nervous about being on my show? Absolutely not. Okay, excellent stuff. That's good. <laughs> now, Chad, you, the, 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 everyone knows you as being the, you know, such a successful guy in the world of swimming, beating Michael Phelps, getting gold medals. And that, you've been interviewed a thousand times about this kind of stuff, I'm sure. How does it still feel though? Does it still feel today as cool as it did the day that it happened? <laughs> Do you still feel like, you know, you sit down and pinch yourself from time to time thinking how cool it was? And then also, do you think that you've got that in you to go over and over again and just continue to be that success that you've already been? Well, firstly, Spencer, thanks very much for having us on the show. It's always great to be, be here. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy to think, you know, I, I do pinch myself from time to time and think that how my life has changed so much and how grateful I am for all the opportunities that I have around the world, you know, to, from all the fans that I have, you know, just coming in Dubai, I mean, we were training this morning and we had, you know, 30, 40 kids stopping me every couple of minutes. And yeah, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit difficult, but I mean, I'd rather have it than not have it, you know? So for me, I'm really grateful to all the fans and everybody and, and for the opportunities to come on your show and to meet some great people around the world. So uh, yeah, it's, it's been a whirlwind of a time, to be honest. So. Take me back to the day that it happened. All right, I've got loads of questions about other stuff, but take me back to the day that this, this first happened for you, this first moment that you had, and then the world descended on you, and it's like, this is the man. You've gone into a race, you've gone to compete, like in many races, you've probably had a battle plan and you're probably committed to the structure that you're gonna go out there and give it your best in all of those ways. But as soon as, as, soon as you finished it, I, I watched countless videos of you last night, and you sat, I don't know what those things are called in the pool, the, the land, line, rope, yeah. land rope. And you're like sat on the land <laughs> rope and you're looking up. What's going through your mind in that moment? Are you, because for me, it's like, yeah, I done you. Or it's that kind of, <laughs> did I just do this? What was it for you? You know what, I'll take you back three hours. So three hours, you usually wake up from a nap, right? About four o'clock. And I went to my coach's room at the time. We were on the top floor at the Olympic Village. We've got really cool rooms. And we walked over there and he was scalping his wife and kids. and. He was very, very relaxed and I was very relaxed and I had a little chat with him and we chatted for about 10, 15 minutes and then you know, kind of just forgot that we were racing an Olympic final. We felt so calm before. Honestly speaking, it was the first time in my career where I actually felt really relaxed heading in. And um, right from the time from when we warmed up, you know, we knew it was an Olympic final, of course. We knew this was our moment. We, 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 we planned to win this race. Of course we did. We were the only, maybe I'd say three people, my, my father included, my coach and myself, knew that we could win this race. Um, we knew it was going to be tight, so the game plan was very simple to, to beat Michael Phelps at his own game. You know, in the history of, of swimming, he's never ever lost a race touching first at the 150 meter mark and then losing at the, at the 200 meter mark. It's never been done in the turn of fly from him. So he was, it was 10 years or 11 years undefeated at that time. I mean, he was, he was the world record holder since he was 15 years old. So our plan was to, to, to go in there, you know, swim with him the first 100, let him have half a, you know, half a yard lead and then beat him on the last underwater like he's done to so many others. 
you know, he was my hero growing up. So in the moment when I'm swimming, maybe I'm answering a few questions along the way, but as, as I was swimming down the last 50, everything went slow, like a movie, truthfully. Like I've had hundreds and hundreds of 200 flies and 100 flies, but it just felt so surreal because I was catching him, just like it was in my dreams. You know what I mean? I was catching him, catching him, looking over across. I could hear the crowd. It was crazy loud. I, couldn't even, I can't even fathom how, how it was back then. But then when I touched the wall, I, truth, I truly thought that I actually came second. I thought that I ran out of pool. I knew if there was another three meters, I would have had him. But when I looked at the board, the first thing you see is on the Omega block, it's the, you see a red dot. Because London was the very first time they had that. So if you win, well, you have The won. block in front of you is yeah. at the end. Okay. As you touch, you see a red dot if you win, two red dots if you come second, or three red dots if you come third, nothing if you come fourth or beyond. And I saw, I saw one red dot, I was like, no ways. Maybe it's a tie. I looked across and I saw a huge South African flag with my name, highlighted lane five. And that's when I knew like, what the hell has just happened? So that moment that I had was just like, it was shock because I thought that I'd come second, but I'd planned to win, of course. It wasn't like, you know, it was a bit of shock, a bit of, I don't know what it was. It was just crazy. Now, mum was saying, when some content that I've watched online, she was saying in an interview that she couldn't actually see you get to the finish there. And so she had to look up at the, up at the scoreboard herself to, 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 to know that you'd won. Yes. You were obviously with mum. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. So in that moment, you obviously couldn't see either. I could see. Oh, I could see. Oh well, I've watched God. that video last night. I watched that video at least 10 times. And for me, as you came in, in the water, as I'm looking, I couldn't tell who it was. It was only your face that made me understand that it was you in that moment. So how did you know? Was it, was it so, a sixth sense? Yeah, but it was, look, look to be honest with you, if, you, if, you know, if, you, if you're lucky enough in, this, in, this, in your life to have a, a son that gets in the top three in, in, in the Olympics, um, you, believe me when I tell you, just to see the one light, like he says, whether it's first, second or third, it was fantastic. But... That is that, that half a second or whatever it was. It's all slow motion, because I'm, I have to tell you the story. On the left hand side, I had a, I had a, two Canadian people, and then I had my wife, and then this side was two American people. So my wife is a lady, and she said, "Oh, you know," uh, oh, she said to the American lady, "Oh, you know, my son is swimming here." He said, "Oh, well, you know, man, there'll be um, a Michael Phelps, or wouldn't?" And I've got me this side. Boisterous as I am, I should have been American. And I said, and I turned around and said. And I turned around and said to this Canadian lady who was next to me, I said, oh man, my son is swimming. I think he's going to beat Phelps. So she was very nice. She took a Canadian flag away, put it away. She says, I'm going to be South African just because I'm sitting next to you. And this is a story nobody knows, by the way. This is, I think, the first time I've told it on air or whatever. And believe it or believe it not, it was maybe it was one second or three seconds or 10 seconds. But because my neck is a little bit stiff, it was, it was stiff, it's stiff by whatever happens. And I couldn't turn around to my wife. And I, I could turn this way better. And I turned to the, when he won, I grabbed and I kissed her. This woman <laughs> here. And I don't know, in that split second, the guy in London, there was uh, Heineken beers. Mm -hmm. But it was um, like a plastic bottle. It was a limited edition for the games. And I don't know, this guy pulled the beer. I don't know if it was to congratulate me to, for his wife, to keep his wife, <laughs> or to get me off his wife. But I remember the beer coming to me. I said, thank you. And then, of course, I turned my body, I kissed my wife. But that was a story I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear, like over a campfire with those people, if ever they hear the story, I want them to get hold of me because I'd like to know what their story is about that, how that how transpired, because that's the blur that I have of that winning. But I think I've gone off the subject again <laughs> of, of, the, of the result. The result was always going to be Chad winning, you know. Amazing. Now, Chad, I want to talk to you about what the word underdog means to you. 
I um, uh, work out a lot and I'm out riding my bike a lot. So here in Dubai, we ride, we ride in Pelotons and I know sitting behind somebody is always better for me. And if you watch in the Tour de France, you'll see them coming up to the end of the sprints and it's always the guys that are sitting two back from the guy at the front that have got essentially the eyes on the guy in front and the guy in the front can't see what's going on. If you watch it in track and field, you watch you know, the, the 800 meters or the 1500 meters. In, years ago, you used to have Sebastian Coe and Steve Cram and Steve Othet, and it, it was the guy that would be sat on the shoulders coming around the last 200 before they accelerated down the sprint. It was the guy in that last, that last 100 meters that then could accelerate past. In the pool, is it, is it better to be, or do you prefer to be a little bit behind and then have something to aim for, or do you like to be in front and have someone catch you? To be honest with you, I think uh, asking me the question seven years ago, I'd definitely say to be sitting off the shoulder of somebody like I did to Phelps, and I did that to many others growing up. Mm -hmm. But uh, as I got older, I got a bit stronger, so my first 50 and 100 was naturally more faster. So I actually sometimes, if you look at my race in Rio for the 200 meter freestyle, I actually went out way faster than everybody else and they actually caught me the last 25 meters. So sometimes I think in today's swimming, you have to have both. You have to have plan A, plan B, and maybe plan C in case that first plan doesn't work out. But for me, I think generally sitting off the, the back feels more, let's say, natural. But sometimes, you know, like, like I said, with age and with uh, more strength and more experience, sometimes going out harder can be better. It just depends on who you're racing, where you're racing, and what type of, you know, if it's an Olympic final, if it's a world championship, just to decide on what lane that you draw. Because if you get the middle lanes for freestyle, sometimes that tactic is actually to your detriment because you're carrying everybody's waves. So like you say, you're in the slipstream, almost like with cycling and, and running. But swimming, it's way worse because when you swim freestyle, they can sit almost by where your knees are and you can ride the wave and it's so much easier. Like if you do that in training, it's like, you're swimming like 60, 70% and the other guy's going 100%, but you're swimming with them. You're not letting him go away. And then with 50 meters to go, 100 meters, whatever the distance is, you can overtake him easily because he's exhausted. So that's just like drafting on a bike then? Absolutely. Oh man, I didn't realize that. Okay, well, let's just understand that. That's, that. that's the physical side of it. Talk about the psychology of it. The psychology of being somebody that's, that is the number one as opposed to the psychology of being someone that's the number two. Where's the, where's the better place for you to sit? Lewis Hamilton, for example, in Formula One, he, he has to be the number one to be in his happy place. But if you go back many years, Nigel Mansell was the guy that liked to be the underdog to Ayrton Senna. And so for him, it was like that fight, you know, that, that fight to beat the guy was what drove him. Yes. Psychologically for you, what do you, in, in everyday life, what do you prefer to be? No, definitely the underdog, absolutely. I've always grown up as an underdog. I mean, I come from a small place in Durban, you know, we humble beginnings, humble, humble pool, everything. So we've always been the underdog from the start. I mean, even when some respects I was, let's say half a favorite in, in Rio, I was still the underdog, you know, considering the stuff that we, where we come from, you know? So for me, I think I'm always naturally the underdog, but I think, uh, you know, it doesn't matter for me if I, if I am favorite, it's not, a, it's not something that really bothers me mentally. I, it can be either or, you know? Just, I, I, I'm in my happier place when I've got something to aim for. Sure. And so understanding that perception of that is really important. What about you in your life? Have you, have Me you, in my uh, life, I'm number one. I'm going to be the front. I think I'm great, especially after a few glasses of wine. <laughs> I think I'm gorgeous, you know. Look at the mirror. Especially without my glasses, I can't see like that. Jeez, look at that, you know. Like, 
<laughs> Brad Pitt, you know, come Brad Pitt, you know. He would say, I'm kind of like saying, as my blue eyes, you know. For those but, of you that are listening to this <laughs> on the podcast and can't see Bert, <laughs> he doesn't look like Brad Pitt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Richard Gere, sorry, Richard Gere. Oh, oh yeah, of course, Richard yeah, much Gere, better Richard than Richard Gere. Richard Gere. He's such a jealous man. I shouldn't have picked on your hair, you see. If I didn't pick on your hair, you wouldn't be picking on me. Okay, so uh, how old are you now? I'm 27. And, and typically, how, how long does a swimmer swim for before they retire? It depends. Some guys can typically. swim. Typically, yeah, I think like 31, 32. Usually, people are tailing off. But I mean, I plan on swimming way longer than that, you know. Okay, so you say, you say plan on swimming way longer than that. Yeah. Have you got two Olympics in you, do you think? Yeah, definitely. You've got two Olympics in you? Winning two Olympics, hopefully. Winning two Olympics, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. And maybe the third one, the, you know. There's no points for second place yeah, in your mind. No, no, no. You go there yeah, to win yeah absolutely. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, look. Anything can happen in life, you know. I could break my ankle walking out your house today, so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter, you know. There's no, there's no guarantees in sports. So for me, I'm, I want to put myself in the best position to to try and win. Yeah. Of course, I don't know. There could be some 15-year-old freak in the moment somewhere and anywhere, and they could come out and swim something ridiculous. You know, you never know what happens. So I just plan to be the best version of myself that I can be, and and I think that should be good enough. If if it's not, then. I have to take my hat off to the guy that beats me. It will always be good enough. Now tell me, do you ever think about life after swimming? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is hard to think about because for me, swimming has been part of my life since I was very, very young. I mean, I always knew from a young age that I wanted to be what I am today. You know, I always envisioned, I always dreamt of what I, what I wanted. Um, now that I'm a bit older, I guess I, I do think about you know, other things. But right now, it's hard for me to do that because of the Olympics being you know, 10 months away and obviously a short four years after again uh, 2024 and now with these new uh, international swimming league this isl tournaments um you know it gives swimmers a whole new laugh because we were competing much more frequently getting treated as professionals getting paid well and, mm. and it's, it's becoming more of a professional sport it's like like cricket's 2020 isn't it you know absolutely bringing in that yes the, the IPL. yeah the IPL. Yeah, yeah absolutely so it's it's something that's really interesting for us so I think, you know, obviously I would have loved to have this uh, 10 years ago, you know, from a young, I think the guys that are teenagers coming into their, you know, 19, 20 are in a great position at the moment because they're going to, you know, get on the, on, on the wave and they're going to ride it for as long as they can. So, uh, but for me, I feel also very young, you know, I'm still 27. I'm, 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 I'm still learning every day, you know, we did uh, a lot of new things in the last couple of months and, you know, I feel like I'm still learning. So, yeah. Talk to me about, what, I mean, you're, you're young, you'll know more about this. And when you see professional sports people get to the end of their career, there's some that go into you know, um, training other young people in the sport, some that go into um, uh, media work, you know, they start with, you know, commentating Quanted, on the TV yeah. and stuff. But the amount of professional sports people there are, considering the amount of jobs in that particular area, is limited. And so you know, mental health starts to become an issue because depression plays a big role in, you know, you're, you have such significance and such importance and you're recognized and you're celebrated in, in, the, in the community and the, the world that you live in. And then for a lot of people that just stops. You know, I was talking to Mikel Silvestre, a Manchester United player, who's a friend of mine, and I was like, what was it like? And luckily he's been married for a long time, he's got four kids, his wife's really strong and well organized. But it's like, the weirdest thing is the day you stop playing football, that day you stop, you have no changing room and camaraderie with the guys. You have no banter. It just, it all stops, with, and everyone's getting on with their it's, lives. It's and all like a different life. Yeah, and he said it was really hard to adjust. 
And when you look at a lot of these, you know, the footballers are a great example of that. They get, you know, 35, 36, they kind of get to the end of their career and they've still got a whole life ahead of them. And then what do they do to find purpose and significance? What do you think about that, Bert? Well, it's a worry for me, you know, being my son, you know, because, yeah. because you've got to prepare yourself, you know, like, and now the last, the last World Championship is the first time Chad got a bronze medal. And I said to my, my family, I said, I'm, I'm so happy the way the world received him with two, two, two bronzes. It's the first time. He's never got a bronze, individual bronze in his life. He's only got gold and silver. So, and that's in any competition, I mean, uh, international competition. So it was a new thing for him. And he even said to me, Dad, I can't believe how nice people are. Well, un unfortunately, you know, you, uh, your, your fame and all that will reduce. And there come a time where <clears throat> you're not so famous anymore. And you've got to deal with that. And so the, pro the process can't be uh, you're, you're, you're up here and suddenly you retire. Where you're scoring 30 goals here and say, now I will retire on top. Like possibly like George Best did. George Best, all right, he was a naughty boy, but Eric Cantona, he retired, I don't know, he went into media and acting and all that, but uh, he, he's maybe special that he didn't get depressed and whatever, you know? He retired, I think, age 28. I mean, Chad's age. Mm -hmm. He's turned 28 in a couple mm -hmm. of months. So that's, that's my worry. But the way he was received on his two bronzes, it was, gives him laugh, laugh off, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Because there's got to be a process. It can't just be, you, 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 you are, you're no longer, um, you're no longer a hero, you know. So, look, he's he's all right, you know. He's got he's got his father's look, so. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he's a model, you know. Well, in my case, my case, I didn't have to be because I'm, I got fame very late in life. <laughs> he made thanks to my son. Famous so, for being famous. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I told the BBC. Yeah, no, really. I said, oh, did you? Did yeah, you, I watched did, it. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. And I said, I'm like Kim Kardashian. Yeah. I'm I'm Kim Kardashian of 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 uh, of South Africa. Famous for being famous. I mean, really? I think that the, a lot of sports, um, professional sports, don't do enough to, to understand the future of that individual once they leave the sport and protect them and teach them and educate them on what they can do with the future. And I know that swimming is a lot different to uh, you know, professional football where they get paid astronomical amounts of money. There was, I just read an article yesterday where Cristiano uh, Ronaldo earns more money from Instagram than he does yeah, from contract yeah. Juventus. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's only three million. Yeah, outrageous, wow. outrageous Crazy. amounts wow. from, from Instagram. Isn't Instagram, yeah. it's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. But, but how, you know, and someone, some, it's just like in, in the UK, we have the UK lottery. If somebody wins the lottery, nine times out of 10, 10 years later, it's all gone. Whether it's five million pounds, somebody just won 170 million. And, and nine times out of 10, they don't know how to handle it. So they've got it, it's come to them. And it's like, now what do I do with it? And invariably, it just goes through their fingers and they make a mess of it. So when you look at people that, that have, you know, young guys that have gone to school, they've finished school at 16, they haven't necessarily gone to university because football's been their career. They get paid a lot of money, you know, outrageous sums of money. And how do you handle that money as you get older, you know? Right. Who's, who's the person teaching them about financial advice and planning, but also who's, t who's giving them tools so that they can develop a career afterwards? I suppose it's a little bit at the age of 27, a little bit early of you, or for you, sorry, to be thinking about what am I going to be doing next? But Time goes really quickly, doesn't it? You know, before you yeah, know it, you've absolutely. got Tokyo. And then, then before you know it again, time will go past and you'll be doing all these interviews and you'll be a celebrity all over the world and you have more <laughs> gold medals and everyone will think Hopefully, you're amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. But, but that time will fly by. Yes, but, but it, can't, it can't start when your career is finished. So it's got to be, the process has got to start early. That's what I'm saying. He's by no way finished. I can assure you that. 
but he was he was a little bit injured or whatever. And we, we don't make excuses for for two thirds or not getting a place or whatever. But his career is definitely not finished. No. But it's showing him because eventually he will be finished. He will get silvers and then bronzes and then maybe make finals and maybe semi-finals. And then he retires when it suits him. For me, it's trying, so to, it's try to, trying to understand process. what 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 went. It's, it's almost like a, a, if I look at a graph and I see it all being about career, and then and then thinking about you know, as we're, I'm 49 years old, and you're you're a bit older, or you're younger than me. But, yeah, um, a bit younger than you. but but when you think about it, you know, it where's the conditioning? Okay, when does it start? Because it's that massive focus on you know being a gold medal winner over and over and over again. Massive focus on being a champion over and over again. Where does where does the education start for you know the little bit of brain space that's required to start considering these types of things and learning about this? What age does it start? Or what stage in your career does it start? And for me, I kind of find it quite fascinating because absolutely you have to focus. I've heard about the thing about girls and all that kind of stuff and losing yeah. focus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So I find it really interesting trying to understand that side of it. And, you know, with the training that you do from a physical point of view, you obviously are doing training and understanding things from a psychological point of view as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you my dad and both of you guys touched on it. You know, you have to prepare yourself. But uh, it's difficult. You know, I mean, even after Olympics when I won, you know, I was I had something which we call post Olympic depression. You have such a high of a week and a month or whatever it is, you know, and you just go from being like, it's such a adrenaline, you know, like yeah. I was addicted to that type of sensation, that feeling, you know, of yeah. like w winning that. I don't know. I don't know if it's it's winning or it can happen, I think, for anybody, if, if ever they've achieved the ultimate goal, you know. So if, even if it's making the final, you can have that same feeling. It's not about Olympic gold medal, I think. I think it's more personal towards the person. So for me, when I achieved that, I felt like uh, afterwards, to be honest, if I'm honest with myself, uh, the training after that for the last, for the six months after was really, really bad. You know, I didn't really want to train anymore. And it wasn't because I was... I didn't like swimming or I didn't like anything. I just, I still wanted to win, but I just felt like it was, it was harder to wake up in the morning. Absolutely. You know, after winning. Um, so yeah, you know. Is it when you, when you, when you win a gold medal in the way that you did, does, does it almost with, with your coach or monitor, does, does it go to your head? Like, look, I, I know what I'm doing now. No, not at all. Absolutely not. Do, do, it wasn't... Do, do, do you naturally stay humble and eager to learn or? Yeah, no, you see, the thing is, I'm lucky. I had honestly, very great parents, you know, my mom and my dad really, really grounded me really well. So after London, it wasn't about that. It was, why are you laughing, Dad? No, <laughs> great parents, that's what I'm laughing. Great Sorry. parents. You shouldn't <laughs> be talking to me, you know? Um, yeah, but you know, like for me, um, it was it was just because like, you know, look, I got injured after the Olympics, 2012, my first injury ever. So I didn't know how to deal with that at the time. And I was what happy. Was injury? I had a shoulder injury. I had a rotator cuff problem, which kind of kept me out. You know, it could have been sorted out in three months, but it took me about three years to sort out because I didn't do it properly, the rehab. And I was very uneducated in that department. You know, I come from a very, let's say, raw background of swimming, where we swim as hard as we can and we, you know, we, we bang our heads against the wall as hard as we can and we win because yeah. we're just the toughest swimmer out there. Then after that, you know, you get a little bit older, 21, 22, 23, and you, you get a bit more muscle, you know, you start doing a little bit more different things, you're still training that same way, and it's it's you, you have to evolve with the sports, which I felt like sometimes maybe to a certain degree we didn't quite kind of do that leading into Rio. So, and now I'm at a different phase where I've understand that a bit better. You know, understand about the recovery, the massage, the stretching, uh, the prehab. I say prehab, you know, it's what you do before you mm -hmm. get injured. Yeah. And of course, the rehab to injuries, you know, because I have, I have had a fair amount of injuries in the last couple of years. Um, so what I was saying is I definitely never lost the hunger. That's not what I was trying to say. But like when I woke up in the morning after London, it was like, I was doing so much media. I'm talking like, 
like four months after, you don't understand. I mean, my agent at the time, we did like crazy yeah, amounts. Like we're waking, I'm like waking up at like 7 a.m. Oh. doing radio interviews. I mean, you can ask my dad. It was, it was astronomical amounts of media, which, which effectively nearly burned me out, nearly killed me because I was heading into championships and I just, I didn't want to be there because I was just like drained from all the media, you know, doing all these things and signings and stuff like that. It was just too much at the time on top of the training and, and everything. So I wasn't used to that. You know, walking into a supermarket to go get a loaf of bread and some milk and spending an hour and a half there, right? Which usually takes me five minutes, you know, because all the people. So, but that's also great. So you just got to learn how to manage your time. So I think that's what I've learned over the last couple of years, you know, is managing is my me, time. Is media something that, that, that because you got so inundated with all that kind of stuff at that time that you got sick and tired of very quickly? I, I want to say yes, but not in the sense of, look, I know I need the media. You know, I need everybody to you know, the newspapers, you guys, uh, you know, I, without that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be who I am, you know, so I'm sure. very grateful, I really am. But like sometimes when you've overdone it and then you have to go and train, like for example, I'm happy to do this now, you know, in between my training and stuff, which is great. But if you're doing this one, then you've got another interview an hour later, mm-hmm. another interview after that, another interview, then you go straight to training, then gym, and then another interview, then go to, you know, it just, it just becomes, you know, ridiculous. And then you start to kind of hate it in a while. So for me, I've definitely never hated the media, but I think at a time after 2012, it became a little bit too much. You know, I was doing like flying around the country, around the world, and I mean, I'm sure my dad can. Tell me about, do, well, hold on, hold on a minute here, Dad, because right. you're, you're a bit of a media darling, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm better looking, you know, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> so, where so Chad talks about media, you know, creating, he needs it, but it, you know, it's not, not his favorite thing to do. It seems to be something that you really enjoy. I like it, you know, I like it. But I like it, you know, I don't like it planned, you know. You know, like, um, like the Claire Balding, for instance, the interview, the first interview, the unbelievable one, you know, my beautiful boy, you know, when I was a little bit slightly bigger, you know, slightly larger. Look, you know, uh, I enjoy it, but not like pre-planned. It must be yeah, and there. Spontaneous. And, you know, I don't know the questions, I don't know the answers, but and sometimes the answers come out a little bit uh, wonky-wonky, you know? Chocolate factory sort of style, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I enjoy it, I enjoy it. I enjoy the fame, you know? I'm not, I'm be honest. But, going back to him, and and in the, when we finished, when we finished the, the London Olympics, and they all wanted us to go as a pair wherever we went, you know? and. And we did the circuits and that, but at the agent, at the manager at the time, like he says, we, you, you, you know, if you're my manager, you, you must, you must teach me. It's, it's something. Uh, this is not my. I don't know this. First time people want to interview me. You understand? And him for that matter. We were insignificant before that. So now, in, in, like he said, you know, we were doing things. I mean, really, like 10, 10, 10, 12 interviews from seven o'clock, and and he would say things like. Like, uh, well, there's, there's this magazine, they want you off to, in between your tea break or your, oh, no, no problem. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, because I didn't know. Yeah. Now I say, no, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, my son is fine. Please, he, he can't stand you anymore. He's got to go and rest or he's got to go train or he's got to, whatever it is, yeah, you yeah. know. And That's I realized that there's that, that, that amount of, you can do in one day. Your dad's a giant personality, isn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. Who are you more like, mum or dad? I think when I was younger, I was definitely more like my mum. <laughs> Girlfriend says I'm more like my dad. I don't know. I look, I look like my mom for sure. Hey, don't say that. He gets upset. Don't he gets upset. That's, that's, no, that's just no, I'm a mix between definitely both. He definitely looks like his mom. Yeah, I agree. Any, <laughs> any gel for my hair? <laughs> so, growing up in your household, you've got siblings. 
that uh, haven't had the same amount of success in the way that you have. Have you had sibling rivalry because of that? Or have you just had, and be honest about this, because I know there's a stock answer you can give and I'm not interested in that, okay? Because I know I've, I've got five sisters, so I, I know what it's like to have siblings. Wow. <laughs> what, do, uh, do they support you? Is there resistance? Are there, are there, are there fractions from time Jealousy, to time? Is there, is there maybe the green-eyed monster occasionally? What comes out? What do you experience? And if you don't tell me the true answer, I'm going to ask your mum. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you can ask them all, all the same question. Like, I'm going to show you it's going to be a similar answer. Like, our family is something you've never met before. You know, the bond that we have is truly special. I'm not just saying that for the cameras. You know, me and my dad are very close. Me and my mom are very close. My younger brother is like my best friend. You know, so like for us, it's not a. I have no jealousy. He's ha never had any jealousy. My older brother lives in London. I mean, I, I see him once, twice a year, and it's it's the same. You know, when we call each other, he's so proud of me. You know, so and my sister, of course, she's she's. Sure. She's amazing. She just starts crying all the time. She's like my dad. They start <laughs> yeah, crying all the time. But you know, for me, it was never like that. I don't think. You know, I mean, I can. I mean, I can't answer for them, but I can. They were always there supporting and always really happy for my success. And you know, my brother now is doing uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. He was in America for two two months, and I can. I don't want to put pressure on him or anything, but I'm telling you now, he's on he's on the way to becoming a world champion. He's he's that good, and he's training really really hard. He's only been doing it for two years, and he's really made giant steps. How you old know? is he? He's 21. One. Okay. And I mean, he was now, he, he's one every... Do you see the same level of commitment from him that you had to give for the pool? I have seen that now, yeah. He's changed. Yeah, only and now. This trip that we sent him on... In New York was unbelievable. He's changed. He arrived back from New York two day, three days ago. He had on 13 hours in, you know, the time delay and the, this and the change of flights. And he said, Dad, he sent me a message, he says, Dad, uh, I, I'm sorry, I unpacked my, my, my clothes and I'm, I'm off to, the, to, to go and train. Before, it would never be like that. He's, he's got the, uh, the bit between his teeth and he's yeah. really, really come on leaps and bounds, you know? It's really come on leaps yeah. and bounds, you know? I think, that, I think that when, if I was in your household as a kid watching the sacrifices you made to get to where you got that you know those early mornings all that stuff that you've done the training the commitment the, the consistency of that if, if you're exposed to that i suppose on a daily basis you, it's like it's like the, the 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 rock band or the pop band that has an overnight success well not, they've been playing in pubs and bars for the last 10 years you know yeah, yeah. and they're all of a sudden an overnight success and they're not and it, 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 same with you if, if someone had seen between uh, behind the scenes as your siblings would have done they'd have yeah. seen all of that pain all of that hurt the days you didn't want to train the early mornings the yeah. probably the arguments that you two probably had along the way as well you know the frustrations and so recognizing that the the, the 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 success that you've got has come from all of that looking at your brother now and where he is maybe it's that that's kind of almost like a blueprint maybe for him it's like you know if you want to be good yeah. at something well you know you, you i want to go back to what you said just now you asked him about about uh, how do i treat and how the rivalry and the jealousy. Well, we were discussing on the way here, myself and my friend on the way in the car, and I said, you know, I treat my other three kids like champions and him like a cockroach when we're all together. I promise you, if they play PlayStation, he knows, I, I shout for all of them. But if you have children, you know, one, you know, it's, it's, it's like uh, I've taught my kids, whether you're an Olympic gold medalist or you're a waitress, What's the difference? What's the difference? God gave you the gift or your hard work. No, no, no. But you think the person that comes in and wipes you, the lady that made us coffee or whatever, she's just, she's just, just doing a job. 
the same as you are, same as that one is, same as Richard Branson for that matter. You know, so, so there's it, it, no difference. I mean, look, there is a little bit difference and you have to treat them. Me, uh, the simple, let me cut back. I, I'll treat my other kids better than I'll treat Chad. You know, once I had a few drinks one night, I have to say this, and I, <laughs> I, I, I sobbed. I said, I'm sorry I was so hard on you. And he turned around and said to me, and he can tell you, he said, Dad, don't do that. He says, I'm only cross with you about one thing. Why did you not afford my little brother the same hardship? And that hmm. is, the, ask him, that's, that's truth. You know, I, I, I don't need to lie to anybody, you know. I, you know. It's well documented that, that you've been through some struggles with the family, with cancer uh, over the years, mum twice, dad. How does, how does that really, because that, that, that for me is one of those things is that you, you take two choices, don't you? You know, yeah. you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna fight to prove it's all worthwhile or you're going to concede. When you think about you you going through it, I understand from dad's point of view, but when you going through it, you, you, you've got mum sick, then dad's sick, then mum sick. It's like, when's it going to stop? How, how do you process that in your brain and continue to keep moving forward <clears throat> with your training? I mean, it was difficult at the time, you know, like I said, it was not easy for me, but, uh, you know, you, nothing much you can really you, do. Have you got the ability, though, to compartmentalize things and say, right, I've got to put that in a box for now, or does it, does it, what, is it like a weight on you that you carry with you? If I say it was a weight, it's, it's making an excuse. So I don't like to do that. Okay. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I, if I'd won in Rio, I can tell you, but I can't tell you because it's not fair to you. A lot of guys would go to the Olympics and make excuses for what happens. Great champions. A lot of guys that have raced and won, they make excuses for winning, which is absolutely ridiculous. Pathetic. But that would hit me so hard if I did that. So I, you know, I've always said a true champion doesn't make excuses. So I don't like to make excuses when I win or lose. You know, so it is what it is. Unfortunately, it was it was a tough tough time in not my life, my brothers, my sisters you know, sister, sorry, <laughs> everyone's life, more tough for my parents than me, but at the end of the day, it is what it is, you know, you gotta, no one remembers that my parents had cancer in 2016, you know, no one remembers all that, they just remember that I came second in turn of three, second under fly, and fourth in the turn of fly, the one that I won four years before, it's simple, you know, as harsh as it sounds, it's, it's the way that I have to think, because if I, if myself think any other way, then you, see, you see, make yourself I, I, weak for that, you know, and I'm not, I don't want to be perceived as, not perceived, I don't want to, let myself think that, you know? James Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. He was the first person to knock Mike Tyson down. And James Buster Douglas, when Mike Tyson had never been beaten. His okay, mum died. Yes. Oh, his mum died, you know the story. Yeah, of course. Yeah? Are and, and he, and he's obviously his mum passed away. And when he was knocked down, he'd made a promise that he was gonna do it. And that, that decision that that guy had made in that, in that time and that, 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 what he had experienced has a lot to do psychologically for the reason that he got where he got. Yeah. What, I'm, what I see there is a guy that took strength from, from a really challenging situation, took massive strength from a challenging situation. Were you able to take strength from a challenging situation like that? And was it, was it something that empowered you forward? Um, and whilst, whilst we can, we, you know, we can never foresee what's going to happen in the, as you're living through it. I mean, obviously, you don't know what's going to happen. But did you take it and say, I'm going to use this for good in, in that time? Yes, absolutely. 
Absolutely. It was... Because uh, I think for me, when I look at everything that I've yeah. consumed of you, okay, in the, in the recent time, everything I've consumed, I think that's the greatest victory. The victory goes to my parents, not to me. Can I say something? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I tell people, I've, say, I've said this in, off the camera, that bring, I don't care who the athlete is, come 2016, give the same challenges leading up to 2016. Please believe me, you know what? I, I don't think they find a place. They don't make the final. I can tell you now, they don't make the final. Oh, I, 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 they don't make the fun. I, I get what you're that saying. I, tell you. I get uh, what you're I, saying. You know, all the all the stories about you. And you I know. say this now, especially the Americans, because they've been tiptoed around and 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 they have the best of everything. You know, well, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, I'm not picking yeah. on anybody no, no, in I particular. Get it. I get it. You know, but in, in any, but I'm just saying. All the stories uh, about you learning to swim and training in a crappy pool. Okay, that have all been documented, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff with the tiles coming off the floor, all of that kind of stuff. That kind of like, you know, rags to riches type of scenario. Yes. For me, it, do you know what? I've, it, with respect, I've heard it a thousand times. Yeah. Okay, loads of people have got that story. Yes. the same right? story, I know. Lo loads of people yeah. have got yes, it. Yes, and I've yes, interviewed yes. loads of people with that story. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't impress me. But what you went through moved me beyond belief and I think if you can you can cope with that and still go and achieve what you've you've achieved I think that is is what's what I would interpret as superhuman oh, thank you. and Very I kind. think I think that that power that you would get from that and I and I honestly don't believe I'm a 49 year old guy and, I, and I've, I've, I've been exposed to these illnesses myself I really do believe that the majority of people that that after everyone comes clear and they go into remission and stuff like that and there's a big sigh of relief then everyone can move on but through that period the the world stops and for a lot of people it doesn't it doesn't give them the chance to springboard yeah some people but, give up and go start drinking yeah, and do drugs and so a on absolutely and, and I don't blame them. But, but hold on, that's someone in everyday life, yes. not with the type of scenario that Chad's had to yes. live with, you know, being an Olympian um, and, and hugely successful. Yeah, I honestly, because to me, you're a young lad, okay, and, and you might be as tall as my ceilings in the house, but <laughs> you, you're a young lad. And to see that you go through that with the strength and determination you've gone through that and still achieve, to me, I, I think... You know, like when two boxers go in a ring, well, Conor McGregor will go in the ring and he'll say, I've won the fight before I've gone in the ring, yeah? Yes, I've yes. won the fight, yeah? Because everything that he's done before he's walked in the ring has, put the, has spooked the competition. Okay, now he's lost once or twice. But, <laughs> but, but, now he's going to hear himself. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But what you don't even need to say a word because you've dealt with, you've dealt with 10 Michael Phelps. Absolutely. Sure. And so... God forbid anyone come up against you and try and challenge that in my mind, because you have you have literally rocket fuel in your pocket <laughs> and nitrous oxide and they don't have that. And I think that's just a, uh, an amazing positive to to observe from something that's obviously for many people very scary. And um, no, absolutely. Thank you. That's I appreciate that. I've said that a thousand times, you know, uh, in conversation with friends and acquaintances, you know, in socially. I've said that a thousand times behind his back. I've never told him that, but I've told uh, that I've what exactly what you've said. A thousand times.
Let me just lighten the mood quickly here for a second, just before we finish. I've got two more questions for you. Tell me, what, what do you think of your dad's singing? <laughs> <laughs> we said before the camera started. Really, I'll tell you what, guys, all the listeners, go onto YouTube and type in Bert Leclerc singing Unforgettable. Slash That's unbelievable. Un yeah, unforgettable slash unbelievable. And it will be on a super sport ad that was from 2012. It's about 58 seconds long. Go ahead and press that. It's one of the third or fourth one down. And we'll, he still sings. We'll actually, for the, for the, for the viewers, we'll dig Get up the that link and we'll make sure that we yeah, definitely do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Actually, surprisingly, really good. He's a great character. Of course, you're going to say, say something, something, something anyway. You so, know, you know I'm going to say something. <laughs> so, so they send me the, the form and they, let's say they offer me, call it 10 rand or 10 pounds to sing. I said, no, thank you. The email, no, thank you. Now I'm sitting on the, I see myself, and they said, no, no, we need. Uh, I, I said, look, I can't see. They said another, call it 20 pounds, and then 40 pounds, and then 50, and then 100. He came down, I said, he said, Bert, Dad, you always told me never to face your, you know, face your opponent. He said, you must do this. I said, but, Chetty, anyway, because I tried to lead a little bit by example, half the time, because the other half is, you know, it is what it is. And I said, I said, all right, I'm going to do it. What can I tell you, my friend? I spent on that 20, uh, 48, 30 seconds, whatever it is, it took two days to film. Two days. Well, anyway, anyway, just to say a thing, I'm not a Mario Carey or anything like that. You know, can you imagine singing, unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable. You see it a thousand you've, times. You've just ruined it now. And because fun. now there's going to be loads of Mariah Carey memes of you singing. <laughs> <laughs> going out there. And the, la the last question I've got for you. When you've won your next gold medal in Tokyo, would you please, when you come back to Dubai, come on the show and share it with us? Oh, of course. And tell us about the experience. Honored to be back. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. Chad, Thanks, mate. Thank uh, you. big fan. Thanks Thanks you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thank you. There you go, an Olympian, gold medals, super success, struggled from the beginning, been the underdog, suffered with the massive challenges of, of both of his parents going through the horrendous experience of cancer and still comes out with the kind of mindset that he's got. I dare anyone to try beat him at the next Olympics. Yes. <laughs>